Black people were never given the opportunity to fall asleep, to become woke and aware to these injustices. We just lived them. We are awake and have insomnia. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the season two finale of Black Ant, a candid conversation about racism, white people, and ways to move forward. I'm April. And I'm Jonathan. We're brother and sister looking to discuss how race informs important issues, current events, and what white people looking to make a difference can do. On today's finale episode, we thought we would have a check-in with the whole family. Um, Our last season finale was a full conversation with our mom, Nancy, um, who's a white woman that has raised uh, her three black children, uh, me, April, and Jubilee. But we thought that on this finale episode, we would include Jubilee in the conversation. Uh, So we are excited to have a family catch up. We think we will uh, sort of talk about how things are going with, uh, with COVID and lockdown Um, and sort of next look at the state of things since the uh, resurgence of Black Lives Matter uh, following the George Floyd protests. And then I think finally we'll uh, get into some politics because who doesn't love talking about politics with their family? So um, April, does that sound all right to you? Sounds good to me. So with that, uh, welcome mom and Jubilee. Thank you. This is mom, and I'm so happy to be on this podcast with my children. Hi, everyone. This is Jubilee. Happy to be here as well. So um, we're excited to have you guys both here. We thought that um, we thought that we would do a, just an old-fashioned sort of check-in first um, with how everyone's doing. We're <laughs> all in different corners of the of the country in lockdown. I'm out here in Los Angeles. Um, Mom, you are down in uh, North Carolina. Um, And Jubilee and April both live together as roommates in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, Mom, why don't you, uh, how have things been for for you down there? You and um, our aunt live together. You guys are also roommates, which I find precious. Um, Housemates. Housemates, yes. How have you guys How's what's COVID like down there? What's your lockdown routine? What are you guys? Are you working? Are people? You guys live in Trump in Trump Trump's America. So what's going on down there? Well, it's been um, interesting. We are fortunate to live in the country, so lockdown for us still gives us a lot of freedom at home to be outside um, and enjoy nature and take walks and things like that. When we leave where we live to go to the closest town or Walmart, which is the closest <laughs> on either way we go. Walmart of is course, of course, of course. Um, it's very, yes, it's very distressing. Um, we are in, we were supposed to be progressing to the third phase of opening, uh, but our governor uh, has called us to remain in the second phase. And he has also required masks um, when you, when you go in public spaces. Um, But interestingly enough, the sheriff in our county has publicly said, put out a letter that he will not enforce that. Of course. Because you're a governor and a Democrat, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. So we try to stay home as much as possible. Although I have gone very 
limited back to work. I work at our local YMCA. Um, the only thing that's open inside the building is the pool. And so people can sign up to swim laps and they come in and go right to the pool and come back out. They have to wear a mask as they approach. We have a desk set up outside. They have to wear a mask until they get back to the pool. Um, uh. Yeah. And then the other thing we have is outdoor exercise classes. Uh, in the morning and in the evening. And there are a significant number of people that have signed up for those, even though it's like scorching. It's hot as hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're, on the, they're on the parking lot. So Wow. Oh, my God. Yeah, people do come. So I'm one of the front desk type people. And so I'm working now like five hours a week because we are at the end of the payroll protection thingy. And so we've had to really just cut back the hours that we work. So... Um, yeah, but it's very frustrating because when you do go into the stores, uh, it's almost predictable who and who is wearing and who is not wearing masks. You just go in and they just sort of have a, almost a defiant air about them. Like, hell no, I'm not doing that. And, um, so that's very disappointing. And I openly say things to people like I went into Walgreens to, um, drop off a FedEx package and the lady that was working there didn't have a mask. And Jeez. I said at I a drugstore. Yes. I said, I'm really surprised you're not wearing a mask. And she said, well, we're supposed to, I, I can't breathe. And I said, Oh, well, I guess you hope that you won't get sick then. Um, <laughs> or give right. it to someone like, else. Like, yeah. Some she, other, yeah. another lady mm. was looking at me and Maggie, I forget where we were, but she, and she said, hi, and I said, hello. I said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm being rude, but I was just looking because you don't have masks on and I'm just surprised. <laughs> See? Yeah, I, just, yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's so unthoughtful and uncaring and silly and stupid to not wear a mask. It's, I can't believe it's become political. So right. you can't wear a mask because that's taking away your freedom. And right. it's not manly. And you're <laughs> right. If you don't, if you wear a mask because you know you're not standing up for your rights and and being yeah, a real man. And it's right. a, right. it's a and it's a it's a hoax. It's not real. Even though we're spiking, North Carolina is one of the states they've had to close down the beaches, and different you know because it's spiking here, and we're one of the states that has a, has had a resurgence. So hello. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know. Well, now that I'm already mad, Juba. Um, <laughs> How's Philly for you? I've talked about a little bit how I'm feeling here, but but what are your thoughts on how Philly's doing? Um, yeah. Well, okay. So I was we were sort of housebound for the past couple several months, um, and so we don't really go outside unless you have to walk the dog, um, and even then you wear a mask. The restaurant downtown and there are people sitting outside like a ton of people and that was sort of alarming I was shocked they obviously don't care about their health um it was I it just made me really uncomfortable so I will not be going on any of those people anytime soon but yeah it's been it's been hard to be in your house all the time. I'm baking a lot. We are all benefiting from you baking a lot. I like <laughs> I every once in a while will just check my 
like postal mail out here in California and there would just be a box of just like it was like blondies and <laughs> the before the last one was like just two big loaves of sourdough bread like just mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Just... So I mean, that's one thing that happened that's good from this whole COVID situation. Um, like every other American, I started a sourdough starter. True. Um, and it's been so much fun, so fun. And I'm donating. Um, I'm co- baking a lot and then donating it in lo- in like tens of loaves to the homeless shelter um that's like two two miles away from the house so so i must admit my there was so much sourdough that you sent here um that <laughs> i like a couple weeks in i guess or like a week after mm-hmm. i get in it i looked in one piece had like a little piece of mold on the side of it mm-hmm I just ripped that off and threw it away <laughs> and ate the rest. Is that what you're supposed to do? It's totally fine. It's totally yeah. fine. It's for my cool. gut health. For your gut health. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, what about you, April? I'm, you know, same old, same old. Um, I'm still able to work from home uh, at least through Labor Day right now. Um, but I suspect through the end of the year. So have my you know routine i take mac out for a walk every morning you know mask mac is. on mac is the almost a nine month old german shepherd dog who's the love of my life i love her so much <laughs> who just is honestly at this point the light of the entire world <laughs> so she is just like jesus my angel and we go for two long walks every day and we try to stay distant from people. I have my mask on. Um, but that's usually the, that's when I'm leaving the house. Um, we get our groceries delivered. I'm working from home every once in a while. We'll go run an errand somewhere. Um, but it's, it's very infrequent. So we're, you know, we're doing what we can. What? Tell them yesterday about the fire hydrant. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So yesterday, speaking of Mac being an angel, on our evening walk uh, before dinner, it was blazing hot outside. So there was a fire hydrant that the neighborhood had, like, opened up and there was water everywhere. And Mac played in it like the puppy that she is, just, like, rolling around in the water. She was so hot, so it probably felt so good. And it was so precious. She was just jumping, like, it was so cute. Yeah. Skipping around. so awkward in her body. (laughs) And it's it's very clear to see, but she's just so precious. Anyway, John... How is, I almost don't even want to ask because it's horrible, but how's L.A.? Yeah, so, <laughs> so L.A., so as of today, one in 100 um, residents of Los Angeles County have COVID. Um, That's insane. Oh, my it'll God. Be, it'll be one in, it's predicted to be one in 70 by next week. That's, um, in, that's so scary. Yeah, so I don't, I stay my behind in the house um, (laughs) because, as you, of course, all know, I'm immunocompromised or at least high risk um, for COVID. And so, yeah, I mean, I told you, I joked, but sort of am not joking. Like, whenever Gracie and I, my 
uh, dog do go outside because she has to go out twice a day. I'm legit training her to be um, aggressive. Aggressive, yeah. <laughs> not, not friendly to people who who come within, basically within her leash distance to us, which is close. That's close to us, you know. Um, so and she's so, a social distance enforcer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, SDE. Um, (laughs) and so yeah so we I mean I feel bad for her because she's a big dog and we are just spending a ton of time in the house um but yeah things in LA are not what'd you say she likes sleeping oh totally totally but she just she also likes to run too and Mm -hmm. she just hasn't been able so I've been letting her do sprints up and down our hallway our long hallway uh (laughs) in my building like so all my neighbors can hear um (laughs) Because I'm a gold star tenant. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, LA is crazy. It is, I live right in Hollywood. And so, uh, like, right near the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And like, there so are. Cool. There oh my are, gosh, you see actually right now. I'm rolling my eyes. You live in Hollywood. Oh my God, you live in Hollywood. So cool. Like, Hollywood. Oh it's just like, it's like, like awesome. near Hollywood. Like, <laughs> So when you two roast me at the same time, it gets a little confusing because we're over Skype. So I guess if you guys could take turns. So you live in Hollywood. Tell us more. Right. So anyway, that's just the name of the neighborhood that I live in in Los Angeles County. Um, You're a star, Jonathan. It is, oh, my okay. God. Mom. <laughs> I'm You're done. a star. Fun. I'm You're done. Star. I'm finished. What's Tell the next topic? star. Did you know the sheriff's department in L.A. County has a gang among its deputies? They're called the Vikings. Mom, did I know that? Oh, come on. Like, the, yeah, the the law enforcement in L.A. County is, I mean, they wouldn't call themselves a gang. They would call themselves an elite, uh, you yeah, know, what's the thing they say in the beginning? White of supremacist S- squad. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, look, so I, I just want the listeners to know that, like, you guys just saw a little taste of why I am how I am. So, like, just did you hear me just listing off where I lived and what was happening? And I was going to do my portion of what's happening in my area. And my whole family just just dragged me for no reason. So, like, that's how I have the insecurities that I have. Oh, Moving on. Oh, wow. oh, oh, my God. 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 So Snowflake. Dramatic. April, Tell you definitely need to edit that out. I wounded him, clearly. No, leave it in. Leave it in. Whatever. All I was going to say was that the tourists are back. So there are... What? There are people who are here in there. You know, you can tell when someone's a tourist, right? Like in Philly, if you're around the the, uh, Liberty Bell and stuff, you can see people that are there with their fanny packs, no shade, looking up at buildings, looking around at everything, taking pictures. You can tell they're tourists. This is like families of people walking along, looking at the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm trying to get to like my CVS, which is right there, right? To get a prescription. And no masks, no social distancing, no nothing. They're just, it's like nothing ever happened. And yeah, it's not great. Things are, so right. So I yell at people, right? Mom, I do the same thing you do, except (laughs) I don't talk. I just scream social distancing, social distancing at people as I um, <laughs> walk by. And yeah, if they come too close, Gracie growls at them. So that's how things are in LA here. Um, I suspect we will all find ourselves in, everyone on this call will find ourselves um, in a stay at home order within the next month or so because of the way things are going. Yeah. yeah. 
So they always use, like, when I'm listening to the news and stuff, they always use LA County as the example of what not to do and how bad it is. Well, it's crazy because California was one of the first, California was the first state that had lockdown orders, like staying Mm -hmm. home. So we were like, for a while held up as the thing, as the state you should emulate. Mm -hmm. Um, And because the first cases were here, like the first, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so but it just it, so the thing now on the news is like what went wrong doctors like we thought this was fine like and people are like we don't know um so yeah, yeah. It's, it's not great oh, yeah and so you guys i'm sure saw the christian quote christian activist man on facebook that said he'd rather have his head cut off than wear a mask yeah right what? it's like sir no no violence or no threat or whatever but like that can be arranged that's right that's just to me that's the that's the extent of people's stupidity stupidity there's no other word for it it's like what and it's arrogance and entitlement too like that like the notion that like they think that and, and selfishness the the people that aren't wearing masks are like i don't care if i'm a carrier and i'm giving it to someone else i don't care well, no one's ever told them what to do. No, they've never had to live with rules that mm. that that made their life that affected their life negatively. It's like the typical. It's like when we talked about uh, Amy Cooper, Karen in Central Park, Oof. who like lost her shit when she was when her white supremacy was challenged and this is this is the same thing mm-hmm. and it's not just white people who are not wearing masks mm-hmm. but obviously the the vast majority of people in America are white and any challenge to their supremacy or their freedoms and people lose their shit and it doesn't matter what it's about it doesn't matter who's saying well it does matter who's saying it but it doesn't matter why they're being asked to do something but the fact that they are being required or asked to do something that they don't want to do. And it's just, people lose it. They can't, they can't handle it. They can't, they don't know how to function. And and it started off as being told by the top person in our country that it was a hoax or that it was a overblown or that it was a democratic ploy. So the people that heard that, they still think that. Right. They don't, it doesn't matter what the numbers show. They still think it's fake. It's overblown. It's not that bad. So, damn it, I'm not wearing a mask. Right. He, and he's president, you know? He's yeah. pre- so he, yeah, I don't, like people people treat him like a normal president, right? Like, so when the president says something, that's what it is, you know? Like, and mm-hmm. he, right. for and all him, the- he just says whatever he wants. So, like, his right. hardcore supporters, of course, yeah. And all um, the people on Fox News say the same thing. So that's what they listen and I, to. I really do think that this is different in a way because the mask wearing thing, because it is really hard to get people to do things for other people, you know, yeah. like the mask mm-hmm. thing, they can't, it's two steps away from it hurting them, you know? So like they would have to be a carrier, pass it to someone else and then have it then become sick themselves, you know, like they don't, they don't they're not thinking in the aggregate that like you're doing this for everyone that's everyone that's not you but then it includes you ultimately because we'll all be sick you know Mm -hmm. like people just don't it's not like wearing a seatbelt that keeps you safe you know it's 
doing something that keeps other people safe. And that's really hard for people, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't teach people or tell people to care about the person next to them. That You either have that care or you don't. And I feel like most Americans don't care about the person next to them. If they're fine, then the world is fine. It's just crazy that I agree. And I, it's just crazy that like, we have to, to get people to do the right thing. We have to threaten to fine and imprison them. Like if you don't do this, we'll make you pay us money or go to jail because you are not wearing a mask to help people. It's not like if you don't give us all your money and like sign away all your rights, then we'll do it. But it's like, no, if you don't do this thing that helps people, then you have to pay <laughs> for it or go to jail. That's what it takes to get people to do it. And even then they're not, they're still it. not going to do it. Yeah, only I heard it. I read a study that remember like hardcore lockdown when it first started, which mind, mind you, that was when COVID was just starting. Things are way worse now in terms of numbers than they were then. They're way worse. Um, only half of the people, only half the people in the country actually did full lockdown, you know? Mm -hmm. So like we were all locked away in our houses. Like, this is so crazy. We can't leave. Only half the people in the country did that. So that's why we are where we are. Like, mm -hmm. April, let's move on. I don't want to talk about yeah. this anymore. All right. So that's enough COVID talk. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about the uh, protests um, and the Black Lives Matter movement that is still gaining speed in the midst of a pandemic. So we'll be back. All right. So uh, enough COVID, uh, or I should say in the midst of COVID, we are still seeing protests across the country. Um, I know here in Philly, there are plenty planned for, uh, this is the 4th of July weekend. Today is the 4th. We're recording. Um, there are protests. Happy Independence planned. Day from Britain. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, they, <laughs> <laughs> there are protests oh, planned across the city. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, on the one on the one hand, it's awesome. It's great that people are still out there. They're still protesting. To a certain extent, their voices are still being heard. Um, on the other hand, what's what what are the results? Are there any? Eh. I, I mean, I the, we've seen things that change in the news. Companies, uh, you know, changing their brand images, changing their logos, uh, movies being deleted from Netflix. The NFL is going to play the Black National Anthem. But, like, who gives a shit about that? How many states or, you know, cities have uh, actually committed to defunding their police or at least uh, reforming their systems, overhauling their systems? It, yeah, so I'm torn. I'm I'm encouraged because people, the people aren't stopping, but I mean, we still have a long way to go. And the murder and the murderers of Breonna Taylor has still not been arrested. Right. So right. Every every so often, I just like think about that. I'm just like, oh right, like uh, this is something I can forget about because it's not me and my family, mm -hmm. but like Breonna Taylor's family is grieving the murder of their daughter sister 
And the cops who did it, we know who they are. They're just out and about doing their thing, not social distancing, probably. (laughs) And other people have been murdered since. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say something right now. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Here we go. So you guys know that my biggest stick in my life, the biggest problem I've had has been with white women. (laughs) Um, Proceed, proceed. (laughs) I think about um, my friend. Aubrey? I guess I don't even want to say her name. Is that even her real name? No, it's not. Um, I just call I her Aubrey. I think about cause... her and that com- and that conversation we had where she was like, she was so upset. And she said, Jubilee, you're hurting my feelings when I was talking about racism and how something that she said was racist. This is a white um, woman. Yes. She said, you're hurting my feelings. And her fiance was, of course, on her side. That right there. That's what that's what makes me so mad about yeah. white men because the white men treat them like children and mm. they can't stand on their own two feet. And there is something about the South, Southern men, that the Southern gentleman mm-hmm. um, style or whatever that chivalry that coddles them and makes them think that they are their feelings matter more than anything and it's almost like they know they have their significant other who is usually a man in the south um yes to fall back on yeah and it's an interesting it's an interesting uh display of intersectionality right because the because the patriarchy definitely figures in here but i think sort of what you're describing jubilee is the white women sort of leading into it mm-hmm. instead of resisting it yes and i think yeah. it's complex mm-hmm. it's complicated because it is reactionary white women didn't invent the patriarchy you know it's not it, it's a response to it but I think what you know when you reach a certain age, you are now responsible for yourself. And I think what we see is white women, particularly in the South, leaning into it and benefiting from it knowingly instead of deliberately resisting and trying to change it because it benefits them. I I feel like I have seen some change in people. It, I, I have seen some people changing. And you know, April, I is slow and it is very tedious sometimes and I think we have to be here I'm speaking as a white person and of course that we have to be thankful for some of the small steps I have what one of the things I have also seen is the retaliation of white people the uptick in white Mm -hmm. people's anger towards this Mm -hmm. to me that says that there are some things changing Mm -hmm. and that they are not going to let it happen but it's uh, but it's but it's almost like the things that our grandfather fought for 
the things that they marched against in Mississippi and were imprisoned for and right, for, right. the things that I mean, my dad wrote a book about and spoke all over the country and tried to live out in his life are the same exact things that we're fighting for yes. now. Yes. And yes. small victories be damned because I, it is, it's not enough anymore to have mm-hmm. your friends say, okay, now I recognize that you're a real person and you're, and you've been mistreated this whole time. That's not enough. Right. Yeah. I that's strongly valid. disagree with the idea of being grateful for small victories. Yeah. That's not I enough. won't be grateful for being given something that I was owed mm-hmm. and, mm. and not even owed because you can't like you, you, you don't, oh, you can't give someone back their life. So it's not that, it's not even like something was taken and is given back. It's that, it's it's hard to describe because it's not a. This is not a transaction where black people are paying and then being rewarded for you know do our dues or whatever. We are, we're talking about human lives. So mm-hmm. I, I, I won't ever be grateful when that's recognized. It's no shit. Anytime it's not recognized, I will give you shit. But you won't hear me say thank you to white people for finally saying Black Lives Matter. Like, it's not. Yeah, that's it's what not I'm, a conversation that I'm going to entertain. Like, it's just if they don't to you, we can talk about that. And if they do, great. Move on. Duh. You go teach other people that. Like, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you, April. I hear you. Even the, even the, like, excuse me. I I feel like we have to also be really uh, wary of things that are, that were a long time coming that are, that are happening now that are, that are being couched as groundbreaking things. So we talked about Mississippi the Mississippi state flag um, that up until very recently had, yeah, the Confederate battle emblem still as a part of the flag. Um, the Mississippi legislator voted to remove that from the Mississippi state flag. And it has been, it was like all day news for a couple of days on, on the national news. And it was a big, a big story, rightfully so. And it was being hailed as this big victory, but it's, like context you're removing the confederate flag from a state's flag a treasonous participation trophy uh that is that is a symbol of white supremacy and racism we're removing that from the flag no shit we're removing that from the flag <laughs> that's not you know you're not getting a pat on the back for that you that mom so so that hold, hold flag... on hold on Juba. hold on a second mom do you remember yes. i remember 27 years ago when this was on a referendum in Mississippi. Uh-huh. I was a boy. Yes. yes. It was 27 years ago. Yes. When we mm-hmm. lived there. Mm-hmm. And I, now it's happening in two, in the year 2000. Miss me yeah. with that. Miss me with congratulations. Mississippi's been, You are you going to do anything about the fact that you still arrest and put to death more black people in any other state? Are you going to do anything about the fact that you're still the... Uh, coincidence, it's 85% black in Jackson, but it's also one of the yeah. poorest cities in the country. Come yeah. on, like, and let's grow up here. That Parchman prison is filled with black people doing slave labor, like a plantation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Parchment prison, it's notorious. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's still a yeah. thing that exists. That yeah. shouldn't even that shouldn't even exist anymore. But guys, 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 you have to remember that the NFL is gonna play the Black National Anthem. <laughs> right. Oh my God! Like, thank you, NFL. Thank it's you for NBA, seeing me. I think, right? Whatever. And Kaepernick still <laughs> like, doesn't have a job. It's mind blowing that I think that they want us to say thank you for that. They're doing all these things for Black people, quote unquote, that don't matter. That's not. This is not what we asked for. Well, and they're doing things. Yeah. Give Go us ahead. what we asked for and we'll and be grateful that we don't burn the country down. Right. Yep. I was just about to say, do you believe be grateful? I forget who the, the activist was who said it. Be grateful the black people are just looking for equality yeah. and not revenge. And not revenge. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Like, I mean, if I think about Jackson and it's 85% black, having the Confederate flag fly over so many buildings. And having most of the population be black, that's a, a symbol of, of white supremacy that like we you still see got every to. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's, hanging, that's hanging in all the elementary schools. That you grow up thinking that I am underneath this. I'm underneath mm-hmm. them. I can't grow up to see mm-hmm. them because... I'm a black person, and that flag is for white people. Yeah. Jubilee, we went to elementary school at Jefferson Davis Elementary. Now it's Barack Obama Elementary. Right. Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy. Like that. No, I can't. I and and that only happened a couple years ago. That that only only happened right a couple years ago, and I don't understand how how these slow changes these these changes where, where white people are dragging their feet these symbolic changes mind you not they don't actually do anything to anyone they are so slow and so with um you can almost hear the white people saying well, begrudging. We yeah begrudgingly and with spite mm-hmm. that they that they should think that we should be appreciative of that and that's all they're gonna do for us. And it's not about doing the right thing either. Roger Goodell, no. the NFL commissioner, didn't get on TV and make the statement about Black Lives Matter and about being wrong about kneeling because he had a change of heart. Yeah. He did it because that's the way the money is flowing. He know that's the way our society is shifting. Eighty five percent of people yeah. agree with Black Lives Matter. So yeah, it's and <clears throat> So there's an yeah. example of a pastor in Lancaster, uh, a well-known pastor of a church Lancaster, of 17,000 people who oh said God. in front of his church that, of course, Black Lives Matter, the Bible would hold that up, blah, 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 blah. But Black Lives Matter, the organization, is violent and hateful. It's a hate group. Mm. And then he got outed by one of his members. And so he apologized and I listened to his apology and it's what he said was that he regrets that he made an inflammatory statement. So instead yeah. of saying, I have done research, I have been told that I was wrong. Black Lives Matter is not a hate organization. They are not violent. He, never, that, he would never say that. All he said was, I regret I made an inflammatory statement. <laughs> right. So and, <laughs> and he says, 
my statement was hijacked. And so what he was saying sure. was, so then somebody told on me and he made that sound like that was terrible. So an apology, no, it was, it was very false and ineffective. And, and that's, people were that's to 17,000 that. people. And, and and somebody shared that apology with me to show me that he regretted what he had done. No, he did not. He did not. He said what he had to say in order to keep all right. the people in that church at paying bay. his salary. Mm-hmm. I also yeah. don't believe and don't really feel like giving white people the room to say I didn't know and sort of to yeah. come to the table and say, okay, I have a change of heart and now I want to be on the right side. Because I feel like white people are very aware of black people's situation in this country. And that's partly why I don't like the term woke, because it's not like white people are sleeping. Yeah, It's deliberately, at when you reach adulthood, you are deliberately putting on blinders. And I, the, the, the being woke, I guess, is taking making the choice to take off those blinders but you could see if you wanted to and do yeah. see because there's not well, a black, there's not a white person in the world who would switch places with a black person well, right i was just gonna willingly. say like so they know and know they know enough yeah you know and you also know that equality is gonna look like some of your supremacy being taken away and so i think there is a an absolute uh, discomfort and fear and uh, whether conscious or you know subconscious of white people not being able to live how they have been living for the past you know 400 years and I think when people start to talk about equality that is concerning for them mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think I should say, like, whenever, and I hope our, this comes across, I think it does, April, in our, when we, you and I are just talking, whenever I use the term woke, it is uh, sarcastically. Um, yeah. Because wo- there's so many problems with that word. Just yeah. spend two seconds on that. Like, it it denotes a binary choice, woke or not woke. Those are the two options you have. Um and that once you are woke, then that's the end of the, that's the end. You are, your mm-hmm. your light switch has been flipped on. So now, you know, um, and that's not how anti-racism works. Um, mom, you would say you're, you know, yes, you're I, on. If I could just add to that, to say, Jonathan, that I was just thinking that, that I just had a conversation recently with someone very close to me that to say, I'm woke or I'm on your team or I'm in your circle is does not mean that you now have nothing more to learn. Right. That's what it's. That's a, yeah, I was just going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, I, I consider myself having lived with you all for all these years. You all have taught me so much. I'm still learning. I mean, I feel right. like just in exactly. this podcast, I was what April said to sort of counteract what I said was was learning is learning mm-hmm. is, is a good thing so doesn't matter yeah. how woke you are you you're still not fully woke right and 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 no matter how woke you are one you're still not fully woke because it's a lifelong long journey and two black people were never given the opportunity to fall asleep to become woke right like we were lynched and still are lynched and beaten and abused we aren't ever able to fall asleep with the option of becoming 
woke and aware to these uh, uh, injustices. We just lived them. We are awake and have insomnia. So there's no sleep deprived. Uh, I think I yeah. think every white person, no matter where you live, no matter what you do, no matter where you come from, every white person at some point in their life has an interaction. Either they see something or something happens to them that lets them, that they see something in school that lets them know that, wait a second, that wasn't right. Something racist or prejudiced or something, something that lets them know this this isn't right. And if they do not go further with that, then that is their problem. Well, that's our problem, but they all had that chance. They can't claim ignorance. They can say, they can say, I saw something once and I didn't want to look further. That would be honest. But they can't say, they can't say they didn't know. I have to, I have to uh, say and make a sort of admission here, not an admission, a sort of an announcement here to all, to hopefully some of my friends who are listening to this episode all the in April, I don't know if this happened to you or Jubilee. Actually, all of you, this probably happened to you. White people coming to us in the last few weeks saying, checking in on us and asking mm-hmm. how we're doing and saying that they're so sorry that they have see are seeing everything that's going on. And the whole Jubilee, what you're talking about, the whole, oh, I didn't know or I didn't this yeah. is bring this to my attention. I, it So because I'm. I am choosing a life as an anti-racism educator, literally like in my hobbies, like this podcast and Mm -hmm. in my nine to five, Mm -hmm. I have to make the decision to put a pin in the, in my reaction, which is, wait, what the fuck? How do you mean you didn't know? Right. Right. I have to put a pin in that and address that later. Once we, once they've been reeled in a little bit and once we got them signed up for white people for black lives and gone to a couple of meetings and gone to, you know, giving money where it needs to go, getting out there in the protest. Then I circle back with those people and it's like, okay, Connor, quick question. Did you not see all the Facebook statuses that I posted back in 2015, 16? Did you not hear when I was going to like go give a, have a round table discussion with a bunch of people in Philadelphia about race just in the middle of the summer for no reason, seemingly. Mm -hmm. Did you not see why we all did that? Did you not see all these stories? Did you not hear that black lives matter was being called a terrorist group? Did you not hear any of that, but you can't address that stuff with them right now because that'll just turn them off again. And it's example number 50 million of having to cater to white people's feelings, even now, even in responding to them and their newfound wokeness, we have to cater to their feelings and not say, what do you mean you just now know this, right? Like we have to do that and it's strategic, but it's not the morally, it is the, the morally sort of wrong thing to do. The right thing to do would be to call them out immediately, um, but it just doesn't make the most sense in terms of inviting them aboard, which is so fr- is the most frustrating thing about the work that we're in. Sorry, end of rant. So no, one of the one of the very frustrating things that I see as a white person is the numerous black. It's a very few, but white people have a gift at finding a black person who will say something mm-hmm. publicly that makes them feel better. And so then they post that here. Listen to this. Look at this. And that is so 
oh, that makes me so angry. Look at Candace uh, Owens. That you can, yeah, and that you can hear, and I just, yeah, I just did this with a, a person on Facebook that I used to work with uh, who said, who had some black man speaking about why the, the NFL should not put Black Lives Matter on their floor or whatever. And I just said, you can always find somebody to, to make you feel better. And then she said, I don't agree, but I still look at you as a sister in Christ. So... Oh, oh my God! Ew. Sorry. So was I was, I was thinking the other day. I hate I that was, sister in Christ bullshit. Sorry, like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Juba. Sorry, Jubilee. I was thinking the other day about you know how forgiving Black people are and how we've never had a a space to say that hurt my feelings. What you said right there, that was racist. Um, I deserve an apology. And I started making a list. Mm. And <laughs> you guys, it was long. A list of it, what? A list of of all the racially charged things, all of the prejudice things, all the racism that I have encountered or that has been done to me. Like over. And that, and that I think I deserve an apology for. Um. Black people deserve apologies. We deserve apologies. We're not going to get them, but we deserve them. And I think that white people recognizing that they des- they owe that person over there specifically an apology for saying that thing that they said that one time, that because I was the only black person in a group of 10 white people Mm. And he said a racist joke and he looked at me, he could tell that I was, that I was upset by it and I left and we just never spoke about it again. Or, or my friend sitting next to me having overhearing a racist conversation and then the guy across the counter saying a racist comment to me and my friend just sitting there in silence Mm. while she knew I was being humiliated. I deserve an apology from her, from that. But I won't get it. Mm-mm. That is why I need a therapist. That <laughs> is- <laughs> I heard Be- that. Because I have so much anger and sadness and um, I have been devalued. I have been humiliated in public, but haven't been able to say anything about it. And with your so-called friends sitting right there watching. Yes, yes. Because I have been either too ashamed of myself, uh, but the person who said the racist thing should be the one that's ashamed, but it's me that's ashamed. Yep. And this is why I think Black people, all every Black person has experienced this. And they, we all, I do at least need therapy because I have this anger, this hurt, this sadness inside me that I have been told isn't, isn't a thing. Isn't valid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Juba, you almost said it and I, 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 I could tell you were a little apprehensive about saying it. I'll say it. All black people need therapy in this country. Yeah. All black people, because of what we are being put through still currently like and then and then we have to go back to work the next day we have to go back to our normal lives the next day we have to we have to march on the weekends and then go to work on monday right you mean you 
you mean to tell me we went to Jefferson Davis Elementary School, grew up under the Confederate flag, moved to Pennsylvania only to get spit on and called niggers in uh, in public parks, me and April, only to get pulled over by police more times than I can count in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, only to have your friends not say, not stick up for you, Jubilee, when stuff happens to you at the mall, when stuff happens to you wherever, um, only to watch people be murdered on TV and not get uh, charged, not even get arrested. You, it, it, of course we need therapy. Of course, well, of course we live, we live under that world. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Like you're again, you're lucky. We're not looking for revenge here because this is, uh, you know, chickens coming home to roost. Like there's not, there's not anything I think that could ever be done. So you and I, I think Jubilee disagree a little bit on this. I don't care about apologies from white people. What I care about is what is part of the apology, which is acknowledgement. Like acknowledge yeah. well, that you yeah, I did know, this. I know that apologies are never going right. to happen. A pipe and dream. they're and yeah. they're they're a pipe dream, you know. Right. But you were talking about the white people who are coming yeah. out talking to you and True. saying, you know, I'm sorry for this, and it's like I I've gotten a couple of those too, but I haven't got apologies from the white people who know who they are. Who know who they are because they're too embarrassed. Yep. yep or yep, yep. or I they don't want me to talk and they don't want me to hurt their feelings. Or they're too fragile or they're they're whatever to come to me and say, I'm sorry. I just think that that would be a healing, and I'm gonna be mom for a second and be all like emotional, but that would be <laughs> That would be a healing and a reckoning that America would go through. But Black people's constant forgiveness to white people without them deserving it is what has saved white people Mm. for the past 200 years. Mm. And I think also it's important to know on the topic of therapy Yes, I think all Black people would benefit from therapy. I also think that because of that fact, all white people would benefit from therapy, too. I was just about to say. I was just about to say. As a slave, it's it's clear why I need therapy because of trauma and violence (laughs) and systematic oppression. Sure. As a slave owner, your ass needs therapy, too, because you are living in a world where you're in this position and you're letting it happen. That Mm -hmm. does as much and i would i would argue more damage to your core and who you are whether you know it or not than being the victim of said oppression and I, at least do, know I, that my soul is i because i'm just out here trying to live my life but white people i in in a way i pity them and am and, uh and, and yeah, wor- I don't believe in the afterlife. If I did, I would worry about their chances there. Not to be dramatic, <laughs> not to be like, mm, all white people are going to hell. No, but it takes a certain type of person and a certain type of uh, unfortunate comfort to be able to live in a world where you know this is happening and you're not doing everything you can to stop it. 
and that's you why you need therapy. And okay. and you wouldn't and you wouldn't you would stop it if it were white women this was happening to. If this were sure. if if white women next to all the other races were dying at four or five times the the rate during childbirth, we would figure out why. We would figure mm-hmm. out why, and that just would not happen anymore. Um, if white women or even white young white men were, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, disproportionately next to all the other races being stopped and killed by police, we would find that white people would fix it, you know? White people fix the things that bother them, you know? Like, yeah, and I sort of, I sort of disagree with your, um, with your, you saying that white people need therapy more and that you feel bad for them. Fuck them because <laughs> they're living this life great. They don't have, they don't have, if they wanted to, they could. They don't have to worry about anything. I'm with you on that, Juba. So I, so I typically use the word. I want mine (laughs) and my family. I don't give a fuck what happens to, you know, Katie over there. That's that Malcolm in you, Juba. I'm sorry. I've gone like, yeah. I agree, Jubilee, and I don't, I, I, to me, there's a difference between feeling sorry for someone and pitying them, mm. um, and may, that, maybe that is, that could just be me, but in my mind, there's a difference, um, but I, because I also know that I wouldn't trade to be white either. Right. I don't want that kind mm-hmm. of stain yeah. on my right. soul, right. so, and I don't have that. I have, I have, I definitely have part of it being half white, but not to the extent that non-black that people I have. do. Exactly. No shade, mom. But like, <laughs> you're gonna have you know, So like, uh, there is definitely a sense of pity because I wouldn't want to be you. I don't want to know what it feels like to live in a society where you reign supreme and you're comfortable being there. That feels shitty. You may not know it. You may not accept it. But I don't want that. I don't want to be you. God, it'd be so and, cool if I didn't want to be that. And so. <laughs> I think, so just as a side note, and I think April, we probably should move on because I'm interested to talk about politics soon, but, um, and this has been something that a lot of people have been asking us about, um, but I just think it's worth saying that, like, hey, everyone listening to this, there's a 68-year-old white woman on this call right now, and listening to all this stuff that her, that these three Black people are saying about white people and about how much one, you know, how much there we like sort of pity people that live in white supremacy and benefit from it. We sort of like all the stuff we've just been saying. And and she, this white woman is going to hang up on, from the call and go live her life and not be meaningfully affected by this if she doesn't want to be. So this is this all applies to her. This mom, this all applies to you. You're our mom. We love yeah. you. This all applies. This racism we're talking about is innate in who you are as it's a person living in America. <laughs> but but you can't that you can't help it. You live here. So let's figure out how to work through it. That's the whole point of anti-racism. And that's why this isn't a we can't we couldn't pay for a better example of this, right? Like and right. um, here I am on the phone call, right? I mean that's that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. 
like you're here, you're listening to all this stuff about white people and how the horrors that you and your Knowing people have that inflicted. It applies to me. And it applies to you. And that's okay. You don't have to lose your shit, white people, when black people tell you about what you're doing to us. You don't have to lose it. You can learn and listen and say, oh, okay, I never thought about that. I never thought about the fact that I might need therapy for the weird benefits that are, quote unquote, benefits that I'm getting from being white at the extent of black people, you know, like calling calling a white person racist is not an accusation. We're not saying that you are over there, you are racist, you're a bad person. And right. we're saying, no, all white people are racist. So it's not really right. that big of a deal unless you choose not to work through it. Right. That's what we say. It's a, it is not a slur. It's an observation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of course you're racist. Like, of course you live right. here. The My sky eyes are open. I can see you. Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, I think, look, I, I feel, I always feel like I've like gotten a workout after I talk about uh, <laughs> black issues and, uh, and, and the way white people contribute to them, um, especially with my family. And so um, let's take a quick break because I, I do want to get to the, our, our conversation about politics. This is something that um, we tr- sort of try to stay away from in this podcast, but I think it's time to sort of uh, break the dam and let it happen. So we'll be right back. All right, we are back. And um, so we have gotten a lot, especially through social media, our Instagram account, Black and Podcast. Um, okay. Right? Like a little plug. Um, and we've gotten so many questions about politics and Trump and the election. So I figure let's pull up our chairs and have a family discussion about the state of politics. We sort of touched on it with the sort of COVID issues and the what's actually going on around the country with respect to black lives but um i wanted to sort of talk about that with you guys mom you actually mentioned something uh sort of off the record right at the end of the last call i wondered if you could repeat it now for for the (laughs) listeners so as we were finishing up our talk about being about blackness and whiteness and i i i was going to say at the very end oh i have one more thing to say but then I didn't say it because it's like, yeah, of course you do. You're white. So you want to have one more <laughs> oh, I, I didn't say it. But what I, so what I was going to say. <laughs> was that, so Spencer, my husband used to say sometimes when he was so extremely frustrated, I hate white people. Yeah, girl. And then he would sort of, you know, look at me. Not you. Not you. And so I sometimes I say that myself, that I hate white people, even though I know that includes myself. So there you go. (laughs) Well, yeah, you you've gotten used to us saying that, mom. Like we just we look at you like we hate white people. (laughs) So and it's just so crazy because like people would say that that's racist. You know, like oh that's whatever. Yeah, so the, that shows that black people can be racist. Right, right. So the extre- so the extreme example is the slave who comes in out from being whipped all day and working in the field says to his <laughs> wife, who he's allowed to live with, so he will breed with her. I hate white people. That's, that's he's racist. racist. That's so oh racist. My God, <laughs> like, that's 
all hate is hate. We're all one race, the human race. Right. Anyway, okay. So anyway, we're gonna move on. That's just whenever I hear we're all one race, the human race, I want to gouge someone's eyes out. Um, let's talk about politics. What is what? What? Uh... Can we talk about Mitch McConnell? <laughs> what the heck? How does he still be there? Listen, girl. I don't know. I just don't know. I, I so April. I don't know if you're gonna edit this out or not, but he just I. I love people, and I can't. I just, I, I hate Mom, you him. can't love like you can't love. I hate him. I turtle just feel Mitch like, McConnell. I feel like he has so, done so much damage secretly, quietly, under the radar over these last three years, and publicly and loudly, not under the radar. But uh, people have no idea how he is destroying our country, and with his turtle face out of the show. Right. <laughs> He's 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 the Senate Majority Leader, Republican Senate Senate Majority Leader from Kentucky. He is responsible for, uh, you know, holding up Barack Obama's Supreme Court seat just to say, no, you can't put Merrick Garland in the Supreme Court. We're going to put in just we're going to put in a Republican one instead. When Barack Obama was president, um, it is he is the responsible for everything for he's responsible for the president not being removed from office after he was impeached he is responsible for every for uh, every bill that goes through the house that is about repairing what is happening and is about giving money and aid to people who are suffering right now he is responsible for getting it um completely squashed in the same and all the hundreds of bills that he has not even allowed to become up he is Right. And confirming his biggest thing is pushing through confirmation of judges, federal judges that Trump is is appointing hundreds of how many, mom? Almost 200. I think it's 180 some. Yeah. Which is more than Obama got in all eight years of his of his presidency. Um, And some of them are young with not even any experience. No experience there. And they'll be there for life. Notable cases of people who were asked questions during their confirmation hearings about first year law student things that these judges are getting asked in their confirmation hearings and they don't know the answer to them and they're getting pushed through and becoming federal uh, federal judges for the rest of their lives, lifetime tenure. That is going to ruin our judiciary for for generations. Um, And you're right, mom. And and the worst, the thing about McConnell is that as good of a politician and as effective as a politician as Nancy Pelosi is, He's just as effective. It's yes. just for yes. his own aims. Yes. Yeah, and he knows what he's doing. See, I, I can, I can put list Donald Trump second to the people that I hate because he doesn't know what he's doing. I don't think right. he even knows what the Constitution says, and I don't think he can't read. So, uh, but, <laughs> but Mitch McConnell knows exactly what he's doing. Right, and it's for money too. It's not to mention that, like. Right. He's married to Elaine Chow, who is the uh, secretary of, oh, what is she? Tran- uh, Transportation secretary? Yeah, I, think I forget. So. Yeah. Um, and he stands up and says, this is what the American people want. And it's like, oh, I want to just shriek. And so oh. it's been interesting to watch, though, in the context of COVID, um, because Trump has such a hold over the Republican Party that they're all afraid that he will tweet about them. And then the MAGA base, which has contingencies, of course, in every bright red state, in every state, really, he's, they're all afraid that he will say something or do something to get them in trouble. And so they don't, 
speak out against him. But it's interesting to see them start to do that now, start to not even speak out against him. It's it's start to say things that contradict what he's saying, which is Mm -hmm. insane. Like wear a mask, wear a mask. (laughs) That's insane that like that was a thing that they wouldn't say because Trump said wearing a mask is he doesn't want to. Um, Did you guys hear about the rally he had at Mount Rushmore? So I watched that last night. Y'all. Gosh. Mm. It was was some truly... I'm not exaggerating, and I just hate it because this is what people say when they're exaggerating. Like, it was truly, like, Nazi. Yeah, it was. mm -hmm. Like, dear leader, like standing mm-hmm. there with jets flying over Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. fireworks happening, all these weird, um, like the Navy, you know, orchestra it was there playing all these songs and like literally like Trump is standing there. It's just red, white, and blue, Captain America, Cracker yeah. Jack box, yeah. like yeah. just And so... I, I credit Stephen Miller with a lot of that. Oh my goodness, Mom, I could hear, you could hear Stephen Miller's voice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he said, saying. Uh, you know, the nation is trying to defame our heroes yeah. and yeah. and indoctrinate our children. Yeah. So that's right. another Take... thing. How, how can Stephen Miller still be there? Our people, heritage. When people know he's a white supremacist. Right. We know. We know it. What? I don't like we see why is he still there? emails well because so the just, president is a white supremacist too so well, why would context, he care? just for so just so people remember for context so we know Stephen Miller is a white supremacist because of his policies and the things that he said but also uh, a reporter that used to work for Breitbart um a white supremacist website has published email back and forth emails with Stephen Miller where he's telling her to report on white supremacist things about mm-hmm. how America is becoming less white in America, like mm-hmm. literally like white mm-hmm. nationalist things. Yeah. So it's like yeah. not an argument that he is white yeah. supremacist. It's a fact. Like, yeah, um, I just, and oh he's the, he's Trump's longest serving advisor aside from mm-hmm. his daughter and son-in-law. Oh my God. <laughs> God. Guys, there's no so, hope. There's no hope. So let's talk about, uh, I mean, by the time that this airs in maybe, what, a week or two, April, depending on what we decide, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden very well may have picked a vice presidential running mate. I don't think he will have. But who do we want him to pick? Can I say something? And I know this is not. (laughs) It's your podcast. I know this is not, like, helpful to the conversation, maybe, but it's how I really feel. I don't give a shit Mm. who Biden picks. Praise. I do. I do. Okay. I actually, I care kind of, but like, I also don't at all because, (laughs) (laughs) because Biden, if he picks a black woman, cool. He's not picking a black woman because he respects black women and wants to have the best advisor that he can. Everything that they all do is just for show. Like mm-hmm. he's being pressured to pick a black woman, so he's probably gonna pick a black woman. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything to me, Joe Biden. I don't. I'm. I. I just. I think it's the lack of hope. Yeah, uh, that's it. It makes me not care, and that doesn't mean it's a lack of concern. I'm concerned for the people. I'm concerned for us. But I almost, it's really hard, I'll just be very honest, it's very hard for me to even engage in these conversations because the bar is so low 
that I, I we have Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee. Like, I, it, he's not Trump <laughs> great. And he's not, I believe at his core, he's probably a good, a, a decent person who would like want to do right by right. someone he like met on the street. Okay, whatever. But like, the it, we're just like scraping at anything we can get at this mm-hmm. point that I just I just don't give a shit who Biden picks for his who his for his running mate like ah yeah yeah I guess I just I just like, want to cry and it's just like it's I just so tiring. The reason I will say April that I do care is because well one I'm like crazy in the politics but two is because Biden has said so many times that he wants to be like a bridge president, literally. Like he wants to like be the president that is the bridge to younger people, younger democratic politicians running the country. Like he points to whoever he picks for VP as like a young person that's going to hopefully be president one day. Hopefully he's going to set the tone for the rest of the country. Now, I've chosen Elizabeth Warren. She's ancient. What'd you say? I said, not if he chooses Elizabeth Warren. Oh, yeah, right. I don't, I mean, I don't think he'll choose Elizabeth. I mean, well, who's, who knows? I say that, but, um, but what I will say also, April, is like, like, especially the black women, regardless of why he wants to pick a black woman, or a lot of people want to pick a black woman, um, it will be good to have a black woman, a heartbeat away from the presidency, especially in no shade when the president is going to be like 78 years old when he takes office. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. It like, is good. Like, it is good over. So, but wait, if hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on. So, but also they're all really, really, really good too. You know, so like good as in what? They're great. Like so, like if Stacey Abrams is the vice president, that will be very good for a perfect. lot of people, and a lot like she will. You know, to have that a person like that as the head of, especially if she later becomes president, which is the sort of thing yeah, that you like, that's why i care about it because but that's what i'm saying that's sort of the path right president. like joe biden was vice president so now he's running al gore ran after he was vice president like but you know like that it's that just hard for me like so yeah i i totally hear you john i think you're right like it's I not it it is good if there's a black woman as a vice president who is a who's a good person and is a brilliant as the the uh can't, not candidates, but people who are being considered are. Yeah. Yes, it, yes, it's good. Um, I. It's just like. <sighs> but it's like Joe Joe Biden. It's being packaged to us in someone who's no shade to old people, but a thousand years old. That's what I'm saying. And, and like, like and, and 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 so like he literally was. It's cl- what did I read yes the other day? It's literally Joe Biden's. The day he was born is closer to the end of the Civil War than it is to today. Oh my <laughs> like, God! <laughs> like, so, oh my goodness! And so it, it, but but that aside, like he wrote the '94 Crime Bill. He just was a completely arrogant, uh, racist, sexist person who shut down Anita Hill's testimony. He's done a lot of bad in his life. He still continues to do a lot of bad in his life. Um, but you're right when you say we're so I agree with you when we're like scraping at the bottom. It's like, wow, this is what we came up with. Like, right. Um, like Stacey Abrams should be president, should have been been president. Like, right. it's not. She, it's, we, it's yeah. 
yeah, it, I, it's just it's just a, a recognition of we still have so far to go. So it's really hard to be. And you're not asking us to be grateful or happy, but it's really hard to even be present while at the beginning of the race. And I mean, the race of like ending racism, like it's so hard to be to look at where we need to start because we have so far to go. It's just disheartening. And I just think it's it, we shouldn't look to mainstream politics to end racism. That's just not. But I mean, racism isn't everything. So when Joe, depend whoever Joe Biden picks, it's still a discussion around racism because yeah. there's a reason right. he's been pressured to pick a black woman. Right, right. right, um, right, right. A woman, yes, particularly, but a black woman. Um, and he, the person he's running against is an open white supremacist. So it's just, it, it is about race. Mainstream politics is about racism. And it's just, it's so bad right now. It's hard to see any of the good that is going to come of it. And it's going to get worse, too, because, yeah. like, people are going to like Trump's going to try to use covid, I bet, to push off the election. He's going to try to use vote by mail, which we're going to all want because of covid. It's already first of all, it's too late now. Yeah, I think late, it might yeah. be it's getting too late to to set up vote by mail for every state. Mm -hmm. They're just That's just not possible to happen now. But even the states that do do it, um, that he's already Trump's already laying the groundwork for saying that that is it's rife with fraud. It's ba -da 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 -da, just I lying, know, voter, lying, lying. So like, yeah. Not to mention, if he loses, unless he loses in a landslide, that he's you not not refute. He's not gonna. Say, he's gonna say it was not fair. He's gonna say that anyway. But he's gonna have a claim to say in a lot of people's minds that it's not fair if it comes down to one state, you know, like it just, I could just see that, you know, that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they're going to have to dra drag him kicking and screaming out of the way. Right. He's going to have to be literally the secret service is going to have to be like, sir, like, it's you time have to, to go. leave now, like get out. Okay. But that Joe Biden is the nominee. <laughs> I was gonna say, so, that's even if he wins, which I'm not convinced he'll win, like I'm uh, uh, that Joe Biden will win. I'm I, I still my money is on Trump getting reelected as much as I'm doing oh, to same. not to not make that happen. I'm trying to get as many people as I can to vote for Joe Biden, you know, like, um, but I'm not, you know, people are. I'm watching oh, how God. fired up those people were at Mount Rushmore. Oh God, I just if if you if if people were concerned about racism and or we're not concerned about racism and sexism being uh alive in this country let's look at what look look, look at the last presidential race uh, the candidate race there the yeah. field there were so many candidates a bunch of women black people and who did we pick Joe white Biden. Man. the old white guy the yes so yeah it's just, mm, I don't know how, I don't, I don't have no words, I have no words. Yeah, I mean, and it's, Trump's, Trump is going to lay, lean heavily on the whole, they, the radical left wants to tear down our statues and rebuild our heritage, like, oh, so that was the whole big thing for Mount Rushmore, was like, right. he was there to say, we will protect this monument, just like we will protect Mount Rushmore, you know, just like I'm protecting all the other mon monuments from the far left 
who wants to erase our he, heritage and wants okay, to blah, 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 so blah, blah, did blah. he actually say far left fascist group? That's yes. what he said on Facebook. Okay, so that's an oxymoron. Does he know that? Right. Yeah. And he, Can't yeah, no, totally. And they don't, people don't know. People just know that that sounds bad, right? Like, yeah. but also like, <laughs> it's, it's a struggle because it's like, I laugh whenever I hear that because I'm like, wait, far left. Do you know that our candidate is Joe Biden? Like, yeah, right. like, do you not like what far left kidding? are you talking about? Like, right. You know, granted, you know, Biden is the things he's proposing are very progressive. I mean, they're the most progressive things that have ever been proposed by mm-hmm. a, a candidate, a Democratic candidate that so he is as far left as it's ever been. But like there he is not far left because nope. based on where the party is, the party is the like, only candidate who didn't want a universal health care. Right, right. Uh, Only one. It is. uh, I'll be interested to see what Trump's going to keep inflaming that and keep sort of. And uh, you know, look. When I looked into the crowd of, oh, it just it it made me shudder last last night when I was watching this Mount Rushmore event. You look into the crowd, the red, white, and blue crowd of cheering white people, um, fired up like y'all. They are losing their shit when Trump Mm -hmm. walks onto stage onto mm-hmm. the stage that's his base and that is in every there in every part of our country and it's about 35 to 40 percent of the country maybe 35 percent it it all depends who comes out and votes like yeah and they will they will they will for sure mm-hmm. exactly. they 100 percent will 100 percent. yeah um and so if trump has lost anyone that will be great as long as they vote for our people. But like, we need votes. We don't need them to just sit out. We need to vote. We need, you know, so. Yeah. It's amazing to me. So this, there's so much that is not known, at least not by like regular run of the mill people like me. All the effort that, that, that has been made to keep people from voting or make it difficult mm-hmm. for them to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, you know, that's what this book is about, a big part of it. And you're just not aware of that. And so this is a country founded on democracy land of the free and they're trying to keep people from voting yeah the more people that vote the worse republicans do yeah the the only reason republicans don't want people to vote is because they know the people whose voices are really hard to hear are democrats so the people whose voices need to be heard the most the poor people the people of color you know the disenfranchised they're all democrats so So, jubilee Go ahead. Sorry. Well, they're all Democrats. So the yeah. only thing that they can do, the only mechanism that they can do is to suppress those yeah. votes so they can stay in power. Yep. I was just going to say that the, you said that the voices that are hard to hear are the black and brown people. And it's like, it's not that they're hard to hear. It's that they're easiest to suppress. And that yeah. is yeah. that is the wildest thing ever. It's easy for them to ger- to to uh, ger- do gerrymandering and in areas where they can where there's uh, not an, a huge economic base where there is where the where there are uh, distraught circumstances in neighborhoods that have been completely ravaged by mm-hmm. their own policies, not to mention white flight, they can boost their own numbers by putting prisons, private prisons in rural areas of the country or suburban areas of the country. So the prisoners that are being housed there count toward the population 
of that county so that they can get more representation. Like they literally yeah. do things like that. So to squash those voices, because it's yeah. an easy thing for someone like Mitch McConnell to sort of move around. Um, and and this, it's just, yeah. It's really hard for me to say, but because of all of those things, we need, we need the white liberals to vote. Yeah. And as much as I hate it, we need white women to be on our side again because the majority who voted in the last election voted for Trump. We need them to... to That's crazy. I know. I, that, oh my God, I can't even say that without getting super angry. Um, the majority of white women who voted in the last election voted for Donald Trump. 53%. Over a woman. <laughs> Over... A woman. But her emails are like real for real. Fuck that. That is why I hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think we should, I think that's actually like a good, talking about voting is a good place to end this conversation. (laughs) I think it's also worth noting that there are more of us than there are of them. So this whole America's split down the middle 50 50. That is it because our elections come out to like a few thousand votes. Sometimes it, you'd think that there are it's 50 50 in this country. It is not, it is not, there are more liberals. There are more people who, there are people who want, uh, liberal issues or progressive issues, women's right to choose black lives matter, gun control, those are all in the 60, 70, 80% when you poll the country. So there's more of us. It's just we don't vote. We don't go out and make our voices known for whatever reason. Um, And I'm not saying voting is the end-all be-all because you guys know that about me. It's one tool in our democracy, I think. But um, I do think that Black people, especially older Black people, and I'm a white person saying this, but as I've observed around here, older Black people especially are going to vote, and they're going to vote for Biden because of his connection to Obama, whether they, whether that's, that's why, a, That's why Joe Biden got elected in the first place. Yeah, right. whether it's a legit thing or not, that's, they like him because he was with Obama. And so that's a plus in terms of getting them out to vote, because they will come out and vote for him, I think. Oh, black um, people. It's not black people I'm worried about. Black people are going to come out and vote for for Biden in the 90 percent. Like, yeah, it's, it's white people okay. who I'm worried about. Mm-hmm. White women. That's black, what people I'm always, black people always do the right thing. Black people voted for for Hillary Clinton in like 90 white black women. It was like 98 percent. And black men, mm-hmm. it was like 94 percent. Yeah. So like yeah. that it's it's white people who I'm concerned about, who don't who whose lives aren't going to change very much, regardless of who's president. Oh my God! Gosh, I get so stirred up. I can't hardly breathe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I feel like we gotta stop, you guys. So I feel like we can go on about this, and um, this is what our phone, this is what our family dinners are like, everyone. In case you're wondering, um, but this, yeah, April, this is our, this is our finale, season two on the season books. two finale. How exciting. Uh, oh my god. We gosh. just turned a year old, by the way. Yes, we just celebrated our, our one year anniversary on Juneteenth. Oof. Okay. Um, all right. So 
we have to thank you all, listeners, um, especially recently, the sort of influx of new subscribers that we have to the podcast. Um, with everything going on, it makes sense that folks are looking for anti-racism tools and content, and so we're happy to welcome you all to the fold. Um, this is a reminder to go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. We're going to be taking a little bit of a break here. We need a break, right, April? I feel like we need yes, a break. Yes, please, Lord. Um, just a little bit of a break here, but it's a reminder that uh, our podcast episodes are meant to be resources um, and they're not serialized. In other words, they're all sort of freestanding uh, with the exception of the, the first one is it's important that you listen to the first episode first um, because we go of, of season one, because we go through our sort of fundamental truths about racism or FTRs, as we call them. And that's the sort of lens that we see the rest of our episodes through and the the the. the the way that we uh, consider the issues and every in all the episodes that that follow that. And so, um, you know, we are thrilled with how this podcast is going and we can't wait to continue to do more. We have a couple of really exciting interviews already lined up for season three. Um, but April, is there anything you wanted to, to add before we take this out? Well, I want to thank uh, mom and Jubilee for talking with us today. Uh, any chance we get to have the whole crew on board I think is fun and uh I think it's cool for our listeners to hear us in our element um (laughs) with the you know the people closest to us so thank you guys for taking the time to talk with us thank you for having me yes thank you guys it was a lot of fun really enjoyed it well we will see you guys during season three This episode of Black Ann was produced by us, April and Jonathan Perkins. It was edited by me, and our music is by Fifth Child. You can find more of his work at fifthchildmusic.com. That's number five, fifthchildmusic.com. You can find Black Ann wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard today, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Also, be sure to tell your friends. And until next time, be mindful, be vigilant, and and keep keep asking asking questions. questions.